Good morning, Christ Fellowship. How many of you missed that little extra hour this morning? Yeah. Some people might still be walking in. Uh, They'll be walking in now saying, hey, what's going on? I miss worship. Uh, Definitely that hour, I think it was all missed. But spring is around the corner, and we know nicer weather is around the corner too. So I have a question. Are you blessed? Are you blessed? I know uh, for some of us it might have been a little hesitation, but you, the majority of you screamed out yes. Now I'm going to ask you for someone that's near you, someone that might be next to you, in front of you, or behind you, let them know real quick, real quick, a reason why you're blessed. Real quick. Let them know. I'm going to give you like 30 seconds, not a long time. Thirty seconds. All these blessings going around. Share those blessings. Everyone should be sharing. Like, I know that if we take this time period, and for those of you that are watching through live stream, you can share it. We're listening, right? All of us, we heard what they said, too. For all of us here, if I take the time period, we could all start listing blessings, and the list would be super long if we start to create one of all the blessings that you think of that come to your mind. Now, when you think about blessings... You could almost boil them down for the most part in most people into two categories. And it's amazing how many people use the word blessed. If you're on social media, the hashtag blessed or blessing, there's millions of people that are quick to put that hashtag blessings there. And when you think about it for all of us, we, that's, that could be such a broad ca- category when it comes to blessings. But for the most part, how I said, it could bo- be boiled down for, um, for the most part to upgrades and experiences that we have. Upgrades and experience. For those of us that might have an iPhone 6, all of a sudden when you be, got an iPhone 8, you were blessed. Right? All of a sudden you're like, man, this phone is so cool. And if you got the iPhone 10... You're like super blessed, okay? But it was an upgrade. For, th- for those of us that might live in an apartment, and for the first time you might have a house, an upgrade, all of a sudden that might become a blessing to you. For those of you that might be living at home, and you have your first apartment or air place that you can live, that to you might be an upgrade, and all of a sudden it's a blessing. I know um, something that happened to me that's never happened before was one time I was on a flight and randomly the, uh, the guy, came, the flight attendant came up to Jen and I and said, hey, you're getting upgraded to first class on the flight. I've never 
I never fly first class. If anything, I, I'm like right next to the toilet all the time. You know, all the way in the back. So all of a sudden, it's it's like they upgrade me to first class. I'm like, yo, this is amazing. You know, what I mean? all of a sudden we experienced an upgrade, and we felt as though, you know, it's such a blessing. And when you think about it, I wonder how many of you in the blessings you think about, maybe an upgrade, all of a sudden you start to get paid more at work. Oh, you're being blessed. All of a sudden you have a new job. You're being blessed. Or maybe it's experiences. For some of us that might work in the school system, the moment it started to snow at nighttime, and you heard the rumors through social media that there might be no school. And you're a teacher or you work for the school system. You were thanking Jesus. You were on your knees worshiping God, saying, God, you are the best. For some of the parents in the house, you weren't quite doing that. You're like, what in the world am I going to do? I got to find a babysitter, you know, all these things. But all of a sudden, that unexpected day off became a blessing. What about the experience of a vacation that you had or that you're going to have? That experience to you could be a blessing. The list could come, go on and on. What about going home and you found out that your spouse cleaned the entire house? At that moment, you fall on your, your knees and you're like, you know that there is a God. You start worshiping Jesus. All of a sudden, you go home, they did the dishes, they did the laundry, they mopped everything, they vacuumed everything, they, they walked the dog. If you have a dog, um, you don't walk cats, but they changed the cat litter box, whatever it is. All of a sudden, to you, it's a huge blessing to be able to experience that. Even, even small things that we're quick to consider a blessing, you're at BJ's. Or on in a stop and shop, you're on that line. All of a sudden, in the corner of your eye, you see someone getting ready to set up to open a register. And even though they look at everyone, but to you, you think they're, they're looking at you. You're like, and you're like, that's God calling me. And all of a sudden, you go over there and you cut all the line. And deep down inside, you have to be honest. You're like kind of like rejoicing that everyone else were looking away, distracted, and you made that eye contact, and you cut the line, what are you saying deep down inside your heart at that moment? You're saying, this is a blessing. I'm being blessed today. I mean, for all of us, we know that throughout our day, our regular day, there's so many different blessings that we could receive. And it's true because God does bless us so much. And I want to share with you a passage. It's in Matthew chapter 5, verse 45. It says this. It says, he causes, referring to God, he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. So right there you clearly see that God blesses the whole earth. God blesses everyone, whether they know him or they don't. God still shines his light on them. God still, like, blesses them in very special ways. He sends his rain down upon the, uh, the whole earth. But 
for all of us to understand there's more to this when it comes to blessings. Because for us, those that know God, there's a level of blessings that's not for everyone. There's the blessings that are for those that are true disciples following after God, which I'm going to call the kingdom blessings. There's blessings that everyone gets to experience, how I mentioned, those that know him and don't. But there's kingdom blessings that only those that truly follow God with all of their heart, mind, and soul get to experience. So I wonder, even right now as you sit here, are you experiencing kingdom blessings or just the other blessings that God pours down throughout the entire earth? I asked you in the beginning, are you blessed I wonder how blessed you really are. And I wonder today if you could really honestly look at your life and see that you could be in a different area when it comes to God. Because these blessings that we're going to be sharing, they're conditional. They're not for everyone. But you could walk in those blessings knowing that they're on God's heart to give to us. Today we're kicking off a brand new series called the Sermon on the Mount. This is known as the greatest sermon ever. And Jesus gave us, you could read this in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. And I encourage you throughout this month that, and it's not just this month, we're going into the next month too, these two months talking about it. I encourage you to dive into it, listen, read, meditate, and pray through the scriptures as well. Let God speak to you. Because even today, we're going to dive into the Beatitudes, and we're just touching on them, going through them fairly quickly. But God wants to speak to you personally, even today, even this evening in your house. But I encourage you to open your heart to see what God has to say, because the theme of the year for our church is disciple. For each of us to be one and to make one. And the reason why we're diving into the Sermon on the Mount is because here Jesus in these passages, he's pouring into and talking to his disciples. And I want you to imagine, he, obviously I'm here and I'm the one speaking, but let Jesus himself speak to your heart as if he's sitting on the hill and you're gathered around him listening to the scriptures and the principles that he's declaring to all of us. In Matthew chapter 5, starting at verse 1, it says this. Now Jesus saw the crowds. He went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. Now something I want us to realize, the Sermon on the Mount was something he was teaching his disciples, but he was very well aware that there were people gathering around as well to listen. His target was his disciples, but at the same time too, of course, he wanted to touch those that are close by listening. And if you're here today, I want to ask you, are you a true disciple of God? Something when we kicked off the theme this year, I mentioned that there's a lot of people that believe in God, 
but they're not true disciples. There's a lot of fans of Jesus. Whenever um, there's a blessing, whenever there's good things that are happening, all of a sudden you're cheering. Everything is great. But if all of a sudden you go through a difficult time period, you tend to drift away. All this time you might have thought that Jesus is your Lord, but really you're just a fan of his. A true disciple follows him wholeheartedly through every season and aspect of their life. So are you a true disciple and are you truly blessed? Because here we're going to highlight the Beatitudes. And something I wanted to point out in the Beatitudes, the main verses are in Matthew chapter 5 verses 3 to 10. I want you to see those Beatitudes as a unit. There's eight Beatitudes there. Sometimes, verse 11, people think it's also a ninth beatitude, but it's really an explanation on the eighth one. It's expanded. It's enhanced. But there's eight beatitudes there. Now, the word beatitude comes from a Latin word, which means blessedness. It means happiness, but not the happy that we know about. Like, a lot of our happiness is based on circumstances. If things go our way... All of a sudden, we're happy. No, this is something deeper. It's like a divine joy that you have all of a sudden because of what God does in and through your life. Here, we also see that the Beatitudes that we're going to highlight, God, Jesus is sharing it to them, knowing that they are citizens of heaven. They're not citizens of this earth, you could say of this world, and this is how you operate in the kingdom. This is how a true disciple lives. So here he's painting this picture through these eight Beatitudes from verse 3 to 10 for you to understand if you're a true disciple, your life should look like this. The fruit of your life should be like this. And then not only is he highlighting that, but he's also highlighting that you'll be blessed when you live this way. So with that too, you would see that each beatitude, each time he says blessed and he continues, in the end there's a promise that goes with it. But I want you to notice something, that the first beatitude and the last beatitude have the same exact promise to in, uh, pretty much for us to in inherit heaven. So there, you'll be able to see, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, those are the two promises in verse 3 and 10. And there you can see it's almost as if he's sandwiched, pretty much starting in the beginning, painting the picture of what a true disciple is, and then closing it in the end with the same way he started in the beginning. Now, many of you know that I like to challenge you guys. And I really do love for you to reflect and look at your own heart and to evaluate where you are. And inside your bulletin, and if you don't have a bulletin, you could raise your hand. And Chris, um, one of the ushers, could hand out a bulletin to you if you don't have one. But inside the bulletin, it says there's an insert that you could pull out. And it says, blessed are on the top. You could, pull it, you could pull this out right now. 
and just keep this right by you during the entire teaching. And during this teaching, after I highlight each of the Beatitudes, you're going to have a moment where you'll be able to look at your own life and analyze what would you rate yourself according each of those categories, you could say. For example, number one, blessed are the poor in spirit. After I go into the details of what it means to be poor in spirit, you need to put whether from one to ten, ten being definitely I am poor in spirit, a hundred percent, one, not at all, okay? So ten, it's to the maximum. So for each of them, I want you to put a little check mark, do a little circle, but this is a self-evaluation. You're not handing this in. This in. You're not going to be graded. This is for you to know. And don't worry to look at your neighbors. Don't, don't be nosy. Be like, yo, what did he put? Yo, <laughs> I know he put that. That's not true. No, this is a. That says something about you if you're nosy like that. But that's a whole different story. But this is for you to know. And for those of you that might be a little bit, it's like, I just don't want to like circle too much, whatever. Put a little dot with your pen or something, something enough for you to see. But it's important. Okay? So this is the thing. So for each of us, anyone else needs it? Raise your hand. Anyone in the balcony? Okay, we're going to start. The first beatitude is this. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. And how I said, we're quickly going to go through them, but I encourage you to prayerfully dive in deeper today when you get home. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now there's something that you need to understand what it means to be poor in spirit. That pretty much means to be spiritually needy, almost spiritually broken, that you know the need that you have of God. You know that you're lost without him. Almost picture yourself as a spiritual beggar. It's like you are completely lost without God, and you need him even more than your very next breath of your life. When you realize your brokenness, and when you re- and this isn't just when you come to the Lord, I need Jesus today as much as I did the first day I came to know him. Every single day, I need more of him to flood my life, flood my mind, my heart, my soul, my family, my household. I need more of him because I'm lost without him. The moment you think you could go through life without him, that's one of the dangerous, most dangerous thing that you could ever go through. And on top of that, too, some of us, if you've known God for a long time, a lot of times you rely on your past experiences, the manna from back in the day that you're still chewing on but spoiled. You know, you think everything is good between you and God, but it's not. You need to realize, and I need to realize, that we're poor in spirit. Now, I want to even highlight this. In a different translation, the New Living, it says this, Blessed are those who are poor and realize their need for him. And realize their need for him. And something that's really cool there, too, 
It says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And I want to highlight this too, that here Jesus, when he's saying these statements, he's turning the culture upside down too. He's just, it's like spiritual grenades are being tossed into, into the audience. Because for them, the people that they feel as though um, like the kingdom of heaven belongs to, it's, they feel as though they, they deserve it probably because just because they're Jews, descendants of Abraham, Paul said, no, 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 not all those things, not what tradition might tell you, not what all these other people might have told you. It's the broken that inherit the kingdom of heaven. Now, I'm gonna, I, I decided to do something different for each one, just for us to better understand the statement. I think it's important to know what, a, what, a, what if we highlight the opposite of what it's being said. So if blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, what is the opposite of that? And the opposite, I would say, is this, and it's going to be behind me. Cursed are the proud and the self-sufficient who believe they don't need God, for the kingdom of heaven is not theirs. Is not theirs. Now, for us to realize, too, the word curse comes from three, pretty much there's three different words in Hebrew that highlight the word curse. And a lot of times it might be when you curse um, at someone or you wish ill towards someone. But also curse is highlighted in Scripture when you violate God's commands and when you violate, violate what God has defined as principles that we need to live by. So when you violate these things, all of a sudden you fall in that category. So question number one, test for the test. Blessed are the poor in spirit. How poor in spirit are you? How poor in spirit are you? You could just circle and make a little note there. Okay, the next one, the second beatitude. Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, it says this. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. When you mourn, it's like deep sorrow. So here it's highlighting when you mourn over your sin and when you also sin against others. It's like, are you someone that when you know you've sinned, you turn to God, mourning to him, asking God to forgive you, to cleanse you, or, of all, or all of a sudden when you sin, you don't think much of it. And like all of a sudden, like you could go through life without thinking it causes any type of problem in your own life, in your spiritual walk, or in anyone else's walk. Or truly you do mourn over your sins and over the things that you do? Are you the type of person that maybe you sin against someone? You do something and you refuse to apologize? You refuse? Is it hard for you to say, I'm sorry? You could gauge that a lot when it comes to this. Is it hard for you to look at your spouse and say, I'm sorry, I am wrong, you are right. Did that hurt anyone? <laughs> it 
You know what I mean? For children that are in the house, it's like, is it hard for you to look at your parents and say, I'm sorry, you were right? For parents, is it hard for you to look at your kids and say, look, I messed up, I'm sorry, you are right? Because here, when it comes to mourning, it's mourning our own sin and mourning the things that we do, that we know it's offensive to God and to other people. Now, let's see the opposite. We know that blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Those that truly, there's the promise that for you to see. Those that truly mourn over their sins, they'll be comforted. God's going to comfort you, remind you what he did, heal you, forgive you, and also step into situations. But the opposite is this. Cursed are those who rejoice because of their sins towards God and others, for they will not be comforted. And we know very well, maybe it was you at one point in your life, maybe it's you right now. Certain sins you've entertained, you pretty much keep them and let them follow you along like a pet. But you know deep down inside that you're cool with it, and you're almost rejoicing and you joke around that you keep this sin in your life. You know, we need to mourn and come to God knowing that we've done wrong, but at the same knowing that there's grace and forgiveness with God. So number two, you need to circle or put a dot. How much do you mourn over your sins Towards God or to others? How much do you mourn? Remember, number 10, whenever anything happens, you're quick to ask God for forgiveness and to ask others for forgiveness. Number one, you just don't care. You just do whatever you want. It's like thinking that there's no consequences, but we know that there are consequences. Okay, number three is this. Blessed are the meek. It says this, Matthew 5, verse 5, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Inherit the earth. Here, I want us to realize when you're meek, it's not that you're weak at all. Jesus was meek, and pretty much Jesus, through his journey, it's strength under control. That's what it means. We know that Jesus, at any point, He could have gotten back up. He could have sent his angels down. He could have finished the story whatever way he really wanted to, okay? But he didn't. He kept his strength under control. But here, it's like all of a sudden we we see meekness is humility. It's when God, you allow God to transform your heart, and you know that your identity and worth is in him, A lot of time when our identity and worth is in other things and not God, that's when pride comes in. That's where it's hard to be humble because you have to rely on your money, on your power, on your career, on your degrees, on the people that you know, whatever you might rely on. All of a sudden you get your head gets inflated and you think like you're all this and you become prideful. But when you know who you are in God and when you know that God owns everything and Everything is in his hands. And you're his child. You know that you could humbly walk through this earth 
loving others, knowing that you're, you're in no competition. Other people are competing against you. Who cares if they want to compete against you? You're not competing against them. You're there just to serve and humbly honor God in anything you could do. Now, something that's interesting there, too, it says, what's the promise for the meek? For they will inherit the earth. Now, I want you to even picture everyone while they're there. Who are the ones that, fe- that look like they've inherited the earth during that time? It was the Romans. It wasn't the meek in pretty much the world's eyes. It was the Romans, the powerful, the prideful, the ones that had control and reign were the ones that were inheriting the earth. But all of a sudden, Jesus is looking at them and says, don't look at the proud and the powerful. You, the meek and the humble, will inherit the earth. But how could they inherit the earth? It's because all of a sudden, when we're children of God, we become co-heirs of the things that God rules over. And here, all of a sudden, we know that we're his child and everything belongs to God. So all of a sudden, we're inheriting the things that God has. You you don't have to walk through life like pretty much letting people know what you have or what you're doing, you could say. Because you know that God who owns it all is your father. And that's the most important thing for us to know. Now, what's the cursed part of this? Those that decide to violate the ways of God, cursed are the arrogant, for they will not inherit the earth. So the question I have for you is, how meek are you? How humble are you? Now, that's a tough question, because you might be prideful and be like, yo, I'm I'm, I'm very humble. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? You need to really, for this one, you know what? I I would ask your wife or your husband to answer that one for you. Don't circle or dot that one. Ask someone that knows you well to what would they say about you. Because if humility is something that you're struggling with and you are prideful, you're going to answer that one wrong. The self-evaluation, you're not going to get right. All right, number four, the fourth beatitude is this. It says this, Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, it says this, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be, okay, just in case you've fallen asleep, okay. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be much better, much better. So here we see if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you're hungering and thirsting for more of God in your life, for what God could do, his character in you as he transforms you, makes you more like him. If you hunger and thirst after him, like you need him more than anything else in your life. Like here he pretty much says for those who hunger and thirst, they, they will be filled So are you hungering and thirsting after God, after his righteousness, after his character to be in your life? Or are you just going through life, going like on cruise control, thinking that it's it's all good. I show up to church on Sunday morning. I might pick up the Bible once in a while. I know all the religious things to say. I know when to insert a hallelujah, and I know when to insert a praise the Lord. 
you know all the lingos, you might even be able to quote scripture. But all of a sudden, I have a question for you. How hungry and thirsty are you for God today? Right now, this moment, how hungry and thirsty are you? Because you could sit here in church or you could be watching at home and you could pretty much justify and convince yourself that everything is good with God because you're making an attempt to get closer to him, but you're really not hungering and thirsting after him. Because when you're hungry and when you're thirsty, you're not going to let anything get in the way between you and what you want. It's funny because so many times, and I've mentioned this probably in the past, I'm with Jen and Jen is not in the room right now. Right now I know she's with the kids in the front, so I could say these, these things. So um, ho- hopefully she doesn't listen to this. But she does this to me almost all the time. Like we, we go through a drive-thru, and she tells me she's not hungry at all. Not hungry. And I know her, so I, like, ask, May, are you sure? You're not, not even a junior bacon cheeseburger? Get something. You know, like, I'm so used to it now when I order food, like if I'm by myself, I'll bring something home, even when she says she doesn't want anything, okay? Just because I know that she's going to want to eat my food. So usually what ends up happening is that when I'm inside the car and I'm driving, she's like, no, no, you can order whatever you want. So I get myself, you know, I get myself what I got to get, you know, like all healthy salad stuff. Nah. So, so I get my burger, you know, I have my Frosty, I have this. And then she, and she's like just sitting there like, hmm, it smells pretty good. I was like, yes, it smells good. You stay there on that side. Let me make sure your seatbelt is on. So all of a sudden I start biting into that burger. You know, I'm eating that burger. She's like, yo, can I get just one little bite? One little bite. Yo, all of a sudden, her mouth just became like a shark, yo. That thing, she like takes half of the burger, and then she asks for more. And then when I'm not looking, she's stealing my fries, trying to eat some of the Frosty. For those of you who know where I live, I live right by Wendy's, dangerous place to live. So she's stealing my Frosty. And you know what happens? This is her uh, reasoning. She's like, Carlos, I really wasn't hungry before. But when I just smelt it and I took a bite, all of a sudden it opened the floodgates within my soul. I was so hungry. It like stirred something within me. For those of us that know when you walk with God and you taste what God does in your life and you taste how good God is, much better than a junior bacon cheeseburger or anything you could get in any fast food, even for those that like Taco Bell and White Castle. You know what I mean? God is better. And when you taste what God could do, all of a sudden, you, the truth is you want more. And he fills you, but you want more. You're always hungry and thirsty for God. But this is the thing. I want you to realize that when you go without eating for a while, all of a sudden, you become numb to even the food, the smells that are around you. I remember one year, I did a 40-day fast where I didn't eat food. I just had liquids. And in that fast, the beginning was very tough, especially con los chichos que tengo yo. Like, you know what I mean? I was like, I wanted to eat more. Um, the beginning was very tough, but I have to say, 
that once I was in the second week and third week, I would be sitting down and Jen would be eating in front of me and the food was like, it didn't phase me. It really like, all of a sudden I almost became numb to it because I forgot what it tastes like. Some of us here are sitting here, we haven't eaten from God in a very long time. You feel as though eating from God is just showing up on Sunday at church. You're sitting here and you've been fasting spiritually for years. And literally, you're numb. You forgot how good God is. You forgot how good God tastes in your life. You've traded so many things for God. And all the other things are fake substitutes. They're pretty much superficial, artificial stuff that's not good for you at all. And you've convinced yourself that it's okay. You sit here on Sunday mornings or watching through the screen, and you're pretty much numb because you feel like you don't need more of God. When was the last time you opened the Bible on your own? When was the last time you prayed on your own? Like really prayed, not praying for your food that you're not going to die after you eat that burger. You know what I mean? I'm talking about really prayed. When was last time you just decided to put on some worship music and worship God with all of your heart alone, just one-on-one? When was the last time you decided to go to Wernanko Park or go somewhere secluded in solitude to spend that one-on-one time with God? When was last time you just spent an hour, you lost track of time? You started with a devotional of five, ten minutes, but you lost track of time because you were so hungry and thirsty for God. It's, if it's been a long time for you, I have news for you, you're numb. You've been fasting too long and not eating from the plate that God has for you. The same way I told you, for, for the time period when I, like, I was fasting, you become numb after a while. You could have the Bible in front of you, but you don't have the desire to even open it. You become numb. So I want to ask you, this is a test. How hungry and thirsty are you for righteousness? Number four. The fifth beatitude, Matthew 5, verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Imagine if God shows you mercy at the same level that you show mercy to your coworkers. Imagine if God, oh, ya no tengo, oh, ahora vino para atrás, okay. Imagine if God shows you mercy at the same level you show mercy towards your kids, towards your parents. All of a sudden, a lot of things would change. Are you a merciful person? Pretty much when you show mercy to someone, you're giving them forgiveness for something that they don't deserve. You know what I mean? They did you wrong, but you're giving them mercy. They deserve punishment, but you're pouring mercy over their life. Is your first reaction when someone does you wrong to have revenge? To have revenge? Is your first reaction, like, you know, like to get them back? Or to talk back. And let me tell you something. Us Christians, we know how to get people back and still make it look like it's like, 
like uh, religious, you could say, or uh, Christianese. We'll go and we'll talk bad about the person to people and say, no, I'm just telling you so you could pray for them. Yeah, right. You didn't want him to pray for them. You just want to spread gossip. So are you really a merciful person? Where would we be today if God wasn't merciful to us? Where would we be? Where would you be? Where would I be if God wasn't merciful? So the, te- the curse part for that, oh, I actually forgot to say the curse part for the last beatitude. Could we do that real quick? For the hunger and thirst for righteousness? Curse are those who do not hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will always be dissatisfied. Always be dissatisfied. Now jumping back to the merciful, cursed are the merciless, for they are not going to be shown mercy. So the test, how merciful are you? You could jot that down, circle the number, put a dot, whatever you want. But are you really a merciful person? Number six, Matthew 5, um, verse 8, the sixth beatitude. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. They will see God. So those that are pure in heart, I remember last week, uh, J- Pastor Jim Jorgensen was sharing. And he was talking about when Jesus went to the temple, flipped the tables, and pretty much he was just saying that they're, they're pretty much that, that um, pretty much they're making the whole place into a den of robbers when it has to be known as a house of prayer. And he had mentioned, too, that each of us, we're the temple of the Holy Spirit with the Holy Spirit living in us and that we have to keep purity in our heart and we have to be um, pure in heart. And here we would see that the promises that we would see God. I wonder what heaven... When heaven glances down and sees the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is your body, what would heaven call that temple? Would he call it a den of robbers? Would he call it a sinful temple? Or would they pretty much call it a house of prayer? A house of worship, a house of love for God, a house that gives God glory in everything that they do. What would heaven say about the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is your body? What would heaven say and call what they see in you? Here, the opposite. We know blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. The opposite would be cursed are those whose hearts are filled and controlled by sin, for they will see Satan. It's the opposite. If all of a sudden your life is just completely sold out to sin, and Jesus is not the Lord of your life, you won't be seeing God. And this isn't even after you pass away. I'm talking about today. If your life is controlled by sin, I'm not saying you physically see Satan, but you'll see his destruction all around your life as you allow sin to destroy you. And in the same way, if you allow God, if you're pure in heart, God will be active in your life in a very powerful way in these kingdom blessings. We're going to move forward here. Make sure you put the test. How pure is your heart today? The seventh beatitude, 
and we only have two more, seven and eight. It says this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. So the way I see this, and then for you to evaluate this, in every trouble and in every situation that happens, I almost picture that every person has a bucket of water and has some fire with them. Like, how do you deal with situations in your life? Are you a peacemaker trying to put out fires in your family, at work, with friends, in the community? You're just trying to put out fires so that you could have peace. Now, think about this. Jesus, one of his titles is Prince of Peace. And if God rules in your heart, you... It has to be tangible in people being able to see the peace that you bring in your life. If right now, this moment, your house is filled with chaos, there's tension, there's fighting, there's always arguing, and you're a child of God. God is telling you here, blessed are the peacemaker, for they will be called children of God. Are you doing everything you can to bring peace at home? And this isn't just for the parent. This is for the teenagers. These are for the kids. These are for everyone. But not only at home, wherever you go, are you bringing peace or are you known to bring trouble? Because if you're bringing trouble, you're going to be known for something else. If bringing peace makes you known as a children of God, bringing trouble makes you known as the children of Satan. Here, the opposite is cursed are the troublemakers, for they shall be the children of Satan. So here, the test, how much of a peacemaker are you? How much of a peacemaker are you? Because we want to be called children of God. We don't want to be called children of Satan. And you know how it is. There's people in this world that are always causing trouble for no reason. And they have a reputation. They might not be um, called children of Satan type of thing. But you have other names for them that's pretty much about the same thing. All right. The last beatitude is this, the eighth one. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Matthew chapter 5 verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You see, now we're sandwiching it. This is the last verse um, there. And here it's like, blessed are those who are persecuted. How many of us stand for God no matter where you are? If in your life you keep God hidden... The love and truth of God in your heart, if you keep it hidden and not seen for anyone to see, because you're afraid of what they're going to say, like you, you, you don't even invite them to church because you're afraid of being made fun of, you're afraid of the persecution that you might encounter, and not to say anything, but following Jesus here in the United States, we don't experience an ounce of the persecution that other Christians around the world are facing. Losing their lives for standing for Christ. But we 
won't sometimes stand for Christ for afraid of losing our reputation, losing what, our, what people might say about us. So here God says, blessed are those who are persecuted. When you stand up for me and you're a true disciple, these are for all the true disciples. Remember, the disciples are gathered around him. He said, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The promise is there. So the opposite is here. Cursed are those who fail to take action due to fear of persecution, for the kingdom of heaven is not theirs. So the test, the question for you to write is how often are you persecuted because of standing up for God and righteousness? How often? Do people around you don't even know that you love God? Do you choose not to even talk to God about your, uh, to your own family? What's amazing, too, is that those that we care about the most and we love the most and we would want them to spend eternity in heaven, those are the same person, people, that we decide to hold back and not share with them the truth that completely revolutionized our own life. Just because of fear. Just because of fear. But here God says that blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Because of you standing up for what's right. Standing up in the character of God. Like through your life. You're going to be blessed. God, and these kingdom blessings is not for everyone. Is for those that are truly his disciples. I'm going to give you some time now, and Pastor Harold is going to come here and lead one worship song. But as he's leading this worship song, I want you to reflect and take time to look over the form I gave you. And I want you to really be honest with yourself and see where you are. When I started this teaching, I asked you, how blessed are you? And are you blessed? And all of us shouted, yes, which we are. But now I'm going to ask you, how many of us are blessed with kingdom blessings? The blessings that Jesus is referring to here. So as you're here, this is a time for you to worship, for you to reflect, for you to pray. For you to repent, to turn to God, just wanting God to, to pretty much fill this earth with his presence. Wanting God to really touch our lives in a very special way. And while we do this, the communion elements will also be handed out. And we're going to close together as a family in communion. Father God, as we're gathered here even with our eyes closed even now. But our hearts are surrendered, God. God, this morning we've been sitting on the hillside and we've been listening to your spirit speak into our hearts, God. God, there's nothing more than we want, God, than to be a true disciple following you. 
Help transform us from the inside out. Help make us more like you. We surrender and give you permission to remove anything that needs to get out of the way, God. Tear down every wall. Remove every barrier. Rip apart any stronghold, Lord God. God, break off every chain. God, we surrender our hearts. God, we don't want to play games anymore. We don't want to pretend that we follow when we just really believe. Today, God, we just give you everything. As we're sitting on the hillside, listening to your voice, speak into our hearts. God, we realize what you're calling us to live like, God. And to be more like you in every single circumstance. God, we're not here going through this life anymore. Wanting to chase after what we want, but chase after you, God. God, today we're hungry and thirsty for more of you. We're not satisfied. Forgive us, God, for for allowing ourselves to be filled with so much junk from this world. And artificial things that we've rationalized in our own mind to satisfy our consciousness of what it is to follow you. But today, God, we're giving you everything. God, and even now as we're about to take communion, we don't take communion as a believer. We don't take communion just as a believer or just like a fan. God, we take this communion, God as true disciples that have laid down our own lives to follow you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse, starting at verse 23, it says this. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this. In remembrance of me. Take the bread. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and and drink this cup, You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Drink. God, we give you everything. And as we close in prayer, we lift our hands up and surrender. So we surrender everything. We surrender our past. We surrender our present. We surrender our future. We surrender our family. We surrender career. We surrender our dreams, our failures. God, we surrender everything, God, everything into your hands, God. And God, we just ask you to have your way in our lives. Help us, God. Help us be the Beatitudes, God. Transform our attitudes so that even our attitudes would highlight the Beatitudes, God. That God transform us so that this world wouldn't even have to open a Bible to get to know you.
They would just need to look at our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. God bless you. Enjoy your Sunday.